Slob Talk Radio. This is the Change Book Radio Show, global insight and inspiration for life and business. We're brought to you by the fastest growing personal development book series in the world titled The Change. And I'm your host and voice, Stacey Carnaluti, transformational leader and coach, international best-selling author, and founder of High Powered Success Academy and StaceyC.com, The Power to Be. Welcome to The Change. Hello, listeners. We're so excited to be back with another episode of the Change Book Radio Show. And today we have Lynn Smith with us, known as the Queen of Hearts. She's a best-selling author and has a proven track record as a love and relationship expert and inspirational speaker. Today's show is really important for those out there who have suffered trauma, um, emotional abuse, sexual abuse in their past, and have um, you know noticed kind of patterns of self-sabotage in their life. There are so many repercussions for those who have experienced this kind of trauma in their past. So Lynn is going to be speaking to that, and we are so very privileged. She's way on the other side of the world <laughs> in Spain right now, so it's like 8.30 at night her time. But um, are you on the other line? Lynn, can you hear me? Yes, I can, Stacey. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Welcome, welcome. We are so excited to have you on today. Very, very happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. All right, I'm going to talk a little bit about you, and then we'll get right into your work. It's so, so awesome. All right, so Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, best-selling author, love and relationship expert, and inspirational speaker. She shares her skills with women who have experienced some degree of hurt, trauma, heartbreak at the hands of men who don't currently have healthy, fulfilling relationships. And she helps these women discover how to love and understand themselves as well as men and attract or create healthy, lasting love, passion, intimacy, and fulfillment in their personal relationships. Based upon her personal research and training with the world's leading industry experts, plus her vast experiential knowledge, she has subsequently designed and presented her own course programs and now excitingly offers Reclaim Your Feminine Power Relationship Retreats in Spain. You know, Lynn's mission is to try to decrease the divorce rate, self-harm, domestic violence, all of these kinds of things is what her big mission is to try to stop all of that that's going on in the world. So I love your mission, Lynn. It's just um, so important and the empowerment work that you do to help women reach their fullest potential and attract, you know, good, healthy relationships is just unmatched. So welcome again to the show. Thank you very much. (laughs) That must be one of the most spectacular introductions I've ever had, so I'm really appreciating that. It's so funny because I just, I get so excited about this work. I can't even stand it. Um, All right. So just give us a quick like synopsis about what is exciting you right now. Like what, what kind of work are you tapped into that is just lighting you up and making you feel like you've got such a radical um, job to do in the earth right now? What are you doing? I think I'm creating a lot of controversy, to be honest, (laughs) which (laughs) I I feel pretty quite like, you know, I'm a bit playful that way and I I don't mind, you know, stirring things up and being a bit disruptive at times and (laughs) shaking things things up and causing debates about certain things. 
Um, as, you know, and, and one of the um, biggest things that I think I, I really am sort of so excited about is, you know, um, I suppose starting a movement around helping women really understand the authentic feminine. I'm actually um, not really aligned with feminists so to speak, and that, 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 that might be very controversial, <laughs> you know, uh, to, to some of your listeners, um, but in the context of what I'm speaking about, um, I don't think necessarily think feminists have done us any favours. I mean, they have done a lot of great things. I'm totally, you know, open and supportive of having equal, equal opportunities. Of course I am. Um, but for me, equality doesn't mean being the same. You know, this is what I'm trying to educate people around. Men and women are different. Men are, are not hairy versions of women. <laughs> I love this. Another um, thing that lights me up, you know, the difference between true authentic feminine power versus feminism, right? Why don't you speak yeah. to the difference? Go ahead and speak to the difference. Well, the difference is that um, – what I know, based on my own previous experience, is that we've all got masculine and feminine energy. Now, in, in heterosexual relationships, and I can only speak as an expert around heterosexual relationships, and that's men-women, women-men relationships, the opposite-sex relationships, because I don't have any expertise outside of that. So I apologize for any listeners who are hearing this and, and don't fit into that category. But for me, um, you know, what I know within that context is that if you're a woman who's attracted to men, then what that normally means is that your dominant energy is your feminine energy. And it's the opposite for the men. You know, their dominant energy is their masculine energy. And what usually happens, you know, when um, we've been through any sort of previous trauma with that sexual violence, abuse, or a heartbreak or, or hurt, particularly at the hands of men, is that we quite often default into our masculine energy, which can affect our intimate relationships and how we relate to men. And also, um, because we've been educated and parented and on the back of the feminist movement to be more like men in order to succeed in the workplace, we've took on these masculine traits, which is great. You know, we probably do need to exude that in our workplace environment and we definitely do need to step into our masculine energy if we do need to uh, protect ourselves in a dangerous situation but where it doesn't work particularly well is behind closed doors in our intimate relationships because if we're the uh, masculine energy in the room with our other half then he picks up on that and he doesn't want to be in a relationship with another man yeah this is so good. One of my favorite conversations to have right here. It's so, and I love, I, I mean, I don't love it, it, you know, the correlation between those who have suffered at the hands of a man, we end up taking on more masculine energy and bringing in masculine energy into a heterosexual relationship as a woman. It really does diffuse, you know, it, it tempers the man, right? So if we've got the masculine energy, then they can't really have their full um, you know, they can't come into their full masculine power. So I love that. So why don't you define um, kind of what the feminine power 
looks like in its fullest expression, as opposed to what the masculine energy um, looks like in its fullest expression. Are you able to speak to that? Absolutely. Okay. So being your authentic feminine is is actually um, letting go of the need to control. What I found, you know, when I went into my relationship with my ex-husband, and it's a relationship I was in for 23 years, was that, you know, because I'd been um, through a lot of trauma in my teens, um, I was very much living in my masculine energy without being aware of it. You know, we'd we'd take on this masculine uh, energy traits without being conscious that we're doing it. So a lot lot of that is, is wanting to control you know, be in control. And if you're in control of a relationship, then you've not got passion for that man, basically. You know, a woman who, who feels the need to be in control of a relationship is definitely in a masculine energy, you know, because what she's doing, um, probably, as I say, mostly unconsciously, is uh, feeling the need to protect herself in that environment. You know, you do it on the, on the back of wanting to keep yourself secure, wanting to keep yourself safe. So you want to control everything in your life, including your relationships. So you're leading that relationship. You're controlling that relationship. You're being the man in the relationship. And um, you're probably wanting him to change. You're probably wanting to change him to be more like you. And then when you do it, you find you're not attracted to that because he's more feminine now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So masculine energy is very much about protector, provider, that kind of energy is masculine. And like you said, we all have both, but we are the most powerful when we are in our feminine, which is more of a declaring and decreeing. And this is my standard. And these are, you know, exacting standards that I live by. I've, I've been tapping into that kind of um, revelation myself in really understanding who I am and stepping into my greatest strength and power is when I can, you know, know my standards, know what I value, know what is here for me to receive, you know, the receiving end of um, the relationship is a, it's a difficult place to be in sometimes to ask and, and, and believe that you're worthy of receiving is more of a feminine kind of energy. And that takes a lot of trust, right? And so um, when we're not in that place, we're trying to protect ourselves, like you said, trying to keep ourselves safe from the monster. <laughs> so exactly, they have no, yeah. yeah, they have no choice but to be something to be feared. So we kind of create a reality that's um, very, very far from, from the power that we truly are to be living in. So I love all that. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. Now, your chapter, you had written a, a, a chapter for the change book. What, what book number were you in? Book number nine. Book number nine. Awesome. And we are on book 16 in case you are following the change book. Mm-hmm. Um, we are filling up book 16 now. I know it's so exciting. Um, but in your chapter, I love the way you wrote. Um, if you can get book nine, Lynn Smith's chapter is um, – survive, heal, and thrive. And so, um, and thrive, you know, overcoming rape and sexual abuse. So she shares 
her radical, radical story um, of all that she overcame very early on in life. And then you've got all of these words of wisdom. So as you're reading through the chapter, you've just got these nuggets of truth that are so very powerful. So why don't you share a little bit about your personal history and then a few, you know, words of wisdom along the way for our listeners. Right. Um, Yeah. Uh, well, it, it all started for me um, when I was 15 years old, and I was regularly going to a swimming club at the time, and the, the man in question wasn't a member of the swimming club, but he was always an adult that was there at the same time that the swimming club was on. There was like um, the pool was separated, so the public were on one side of it, and, the, and our swimming team were on the other, and we got to know regularly the regular members of the public that attended the pool because of the few uh, that used to go. And he was one of those guys that I got to know. He was probably in his 30s. Um, I was a 15-year-old virgin. And I can remember this one occasion after I got to know him quite well that um, he offered me a lift home um, because it was checking it down with the rain and it was quite a walk to the bus station. And he says, oh, would, would you like me to give you a lift home? And innocently, in my naivety, I accepted that lift. And um, I didn't really have any question in my mind that it wouldn't be safe to do so. Um, and that ended up really being a, a very bad decision on my part because uh, in no time at all, it pulled up, pulled up in a, a quiet, dark, secluded road. And there he he attacked and and, and raped me and mm. it was a you know I think it's quite common to actually freeze you know they talk about fight or flight you know as a as a response to um, threats but I think you know when you go through that sort of trauma it's quite common to freeze and just stay still. And that, I can remember, is what happened to me. And you just sort of take yourself out of the situation. And I don't know whether it's the protection of um, just going into shock, thinking, well, if I don't move or fight or resist, um, you know, it's going to keep me safe. But that, that was my response to that. Mm. And then, um, you know, uh, unfortunately for me, I didn't have a close relationship with either my mother or my father. Um, and in this day, in time in my life, it was in the 70s. And um, it's very much a culture of kids were seen and not heard. And my mum and dad were very strict disciplinarians. And um, I didn't feel able to tell them what happened. And so I just kept quiet about it. I didn't uh, speak to my friends about it, nobody. And... I was just sort of starting to get over that when at the age of 18 I started dating a really nice guy at uh, one of the local universities who was a student there and um, one of his friends I could see it took quite a shine to me said oh you know I've got some great records in those days we had final records mm -hmm. in my halls of residence you know um, and I was the only person who could drive them and so I said oh yeah yeah I'll, I'll, I'll take you to your halls of residence we'll go and pick up those LPs um, and uh, we'll bring them back and have, a, you know, a, a good party at um, where my boyfriend was staying. So I went with him, 
again, naively trusting and thinking there couldn't be any problem. And whilst we were going to collect these uh, vinyl records from his course of residence, he made me a drink. I realised afterwards he'd, he'd drugged this drink because it literally mm. collapsed. And he, he took advantage of me. And again, for the second time in my life, I was, I was violated. Mm. And uh, it was awful to think again that I wasn't in a position where I thought I could speak about it. Yeah. Um, and right about the same sort of time, um, my mum left my dad. Had a very volatile relationship, and we didn't know where she'd gone. And I'd moved out and was living in a flat above the surgery where I was a veterinary nurse. And dad phoned up all distraught, saying, Your mum's left me. He was really upset. And I've got a younger brother who was 16 at the time, and, um, you know, asking me to come home. So I did temporarily go back home and stay with him to look after him and look after my younger brother. We didn't know, as I say, where my mum had gone. And again, this sounds really naive of me, but me and my brother took it in turns to sleep with my dad to make sure he was okay. Mm. And I can remember this one time where he molested me and I really feared for my own safety because I really thought that, okay, this could happen to me now for a third time and it could be at the hands of my own father. And I just thought, no, this, this, is, this is not going to happen. And I did, I did run literally away from him and, and I heard him shout after me, Lynn, don't, don't you trust your own dad? And I turned around and I said, no, I don't. Yeah. And on the back of that, it didn't go as far as rape, but you know, that just him touching me in an inappropriate way was enough to, to, to make me sh- move out that room yeah. um, sent me over the edge and I went back to my flat which as I say was above the veterinary surgery where I worked as a veterinary nurse and I went straight to the poison cupboard I knew where the poison was kept I knew which ones would kill me mm. and I actually went as far as to take the jar off the shelf and look at it mm. um, but something stopped me and I don't know what what quite that was, but in, in hindsight, I, I believe it was a thought of my younger brother, you know, mm. leaving him with a volatile father who was distraught, who, who was threatening suicide himself over my mother leaving him, and you know, having not having my mother around either. I I, I think it was him that that saved my life that day. Wow. Wow. Incredible. There's a call to purpose that um, I think that is innate in all of us, you know, and you hear about this, what you've just described, like something stopped me. There was something that wouldn't let me go to the other side of this. And um, it lifts you up and out of it and gives you this ability to overcome such incredible adversity or whatever you want to call it, trauma, abuse, you know, we hear the stories that are, it's just hard to, hard to even fathom, but you, you did it. You did it. 
and you proved mm-hmm. something to yourself that you couldn't have proved otherwise, right? Have you tapped into a strength inside of you that you would have never known was there? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And um, we were talking before, you know, we went on air, and I do feel, and some people might not get this at all, you know, that I can take a lot of good from what happened, you know, because not only did I then go on to be what I feel was a very, very great parent to my own daughters, you know, and smother them in the love that I didn't feel I received when I was growing up with my own parents and give them the opportunity to really open up about anything that might be worrying them and, you know, always leave that door open if they've got any fears or worries. But I... I also um, am now helping women that have been through those same sorts of types of trauma from a place of that authentic empathy. Right. Yeah. Have you ever been reunited with your mom? Yes. I mean, we've got a whole different relationship now. We Mm. certainly have. You know, I mean, at the time, yeah, um, we, we didn't hear from her for quite a few months, but we did get... We did get uh, to know where she was. Um, I have to say, I didn't have much to do with her for a few years, but, you know, that relationship was reconciled, and we never got very close, in all honesty. Um, But certainly the the last sort of 10 years or so, we've got as close as we're ever going to (laughs) be. Let's put it like that. You know, I've forgiven a lot. Um, but there were certain things that you, you don't forget and you know uh, you just have to realise that your parents are always doing the best they can with the resources that they've got and that's not always great unfortunately right right. so one of the first words of wisdom that you share in the chapter is taking responsibility for love for loving yourself first and I think that that's one of the biggest first steps that we all take is realising that you know we all do the best that we can with what we have. And now I need to own my own life and my own happiness and, you know, make sure that I'm giving myself what I need in order to thrive in this life. And so that was something that came to you as well from the, from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that come on the back of, um, an early conflict that my mom had with my dad, you know, when I was about 12 or 13 years old, there was always having these regular massive great big arguments where she'd end up walking out the house. And I can remember this one time where she, she went storming off out the house and my dad said to me, oh, then go run after her and, and tell her to come back. So I did. And, um, you know, I said, Mom, come back, come back. And uh, she turned around and she almost spat in my face, actually. Uh, mm. She said, go away. She said, uh, leave me alone. She said, I wish you'd never been born. And, you know, those words really shook me to the core. And I know probably she she might not even remember ever saying those words to me, but, you know, they were said and they're not words you you ever forget. And my belief on the back of being told that was if my own mother didn't love me, how could anybody else and how could I love myself? Mm -hmm. And you did it. You found yeah. a way. And, and that is a huge step because I, I very often find that, um, you know, girls go looking for love through sex because 
you know, they've had these sorts of experiences where they didn't feel loved by their parents uh, and have not been educated to first love themselves. You know, you can learn to love yourself and you don't need to go looking externally for that validation. You know, it's something you can do for yourself internally. Yeah. Love truly is, it's not something that we can get from anybody or anything outside of ourselves it's really not and that's such power when you come to that realization the next word of wisdom um, you mentioned in the chapter says you have a choice and a voice this is some of the work that I do as a coach is really giving people their voice back you know when our voice gets taken our life gets taken really and so I love that one you have a choice and a voice when did you realize that quite late actually (laughs) (laughs) wasn't until I was 42 years old that I actually um, contacted Uh rape crisis to actually report what had happened to me Um, and the soul reason for doing that was I wanted to be able to tell my husband and I also wanted to be able to tell my daughters more importantly what happened to me and I think the trigger for for that was my oldest daughter was um, coming up for 11 or 12 and and therefore you know at at an age where I knew she was going to start a period soon and go through puberty and I think that was a bit of a for me to think you know what she needs to know my story Um, so uh I contacted um, Rape Crisis and unfortunately <laughs> didn't have a great experience. I hope that they've changed their uh, processes and systems now in the UK for the better because initially when I had my consultation, uh, um, it was good. But at the end, she said, I'm sorry, she says there's a 12 to 18 month waiting list oh. to, to get any further you know, counselling. And I was absolutely distraught because it took me all those years to pluck up the courage to speak and then when I finally did speak that's the answer I got so uh, yeah it it was wow uh, yeah massive so anyway in the meantime in that 12 to 18 month period I did gain the courage myself to actually tell my husband what had happened to me and my daughters and um, you know when the, the letter did arrive rightly or wrongly, I told them to, you know, offer that counselling to somebody else because for me, you know, that was my intention to be able to build up my confidence enough to tell my husband and my daughters and in the meantime I'd already done that. Um, So I didn't feel uh, I needed any more, but in hindsight, perhaps it would have done me some good. (laughs) (laughs) But isn't that interesting, though? You knew, you knew that you needed to speak, and you hadn't until the age of 42 years old. You carried that secret. You know, um, we truly are those secrets. You know, we're creating a life from those secrets. And until we really um, are willing to open up and, and share this with at least one other person, or at least voice it, you know, out loud, give it a voice, um, it really can't turn into something powerful and beautiful um, for ourselves or others. So that is amazing. And you were able to do it. Once you acknowledge that that's what needed to be done, you were able to get that voice up. That's, that's a really um, powerful lesson. It's beautiful. 
Thank you. So cool. Determination is what you um, recognize that there is a determination in in all of us, you know, to survive, right? There's this this thing inside of us that gives us a will to overcome the adversity, and that is such a gift. It's a it's a, a great great strength and a great call to purpose. So I just I'm mentioning that because there's listeners out there today that have suffered some kind of yeah. trauma. And they're holding on to secrets and there are hidden things in their life that, you know, not only are the hidden things keeping them from experiencing a fulfilling life of intimacy and passion and purpose, but it's also keeping all of the, um, you know, the wisdom from other people, you know, when we begin to own up to all of this in our own lives, we're giving other people permission to live a better life as well. And so I want to encourage anybody out there, if you've got secrets, if you've got hidden things that, you know, um, need to be shared, reach out, reach out to me, reach out to Lynn. Um, there's just powerful work that needs to be done in this area. And like you mentioned earlier, disruption, like you mentioned the word disruption. I feel like this is the time, like there is a, a very real need in the earth right now for disruption. And there's a lot of us out there that are disrupting, you know, old patterns of belief and, and old um, ways of doing life. We have to disrupt what has been going on for generations in order to move into this next um, kind of season or this next time period, whatever you want to call it. I feel like there's a revolution going on right now that is um, really, really amazing. So I love that you're doing that too. So you can heal your life. Lewis Hay said it, and you said it as well. So um, go ahead and talk a little bit about how you are healing your own life right now and the lives of others. Well, I'm very big on never referring to myself or anybody else as a victim. You know, Mm -hmm. I think there are certain negative uh, connotations that go with the word victim and I don't think it's a healthy place to be you know if you're in victim mode it's a negative word and um, you know there's negative thoughts that go with that there's negative body postures that go with that and there's negative language and self-talk that that you have going on that's associated with that so for me, you know, it's, it's around um, using the word survive and thrive more, you know, and, and what does that look like, you know, when it comes to what thoughts you need to think and, and what what body posture do you need to stand in to feel more confident, to feel more powerful, mm-hmm. and then, you know, to um, start having more positive thoughts to, to succeed and, and to fulfill your your potential mm-hmm. awesome. and being your best self. Mm-hmm. Really believing that you have been healed, that you are healed, that you can walk in that strength and that healing and know that you have been called to purpose and all that you've experienced has been, you know, is being used to be able to powerfully connect with other people in such an empathetic, authentic way, as you said earlier. Um, it's it's all very purposeful if we allow it to be, you know. Um, you said confusion comes before a breakthrough. I love that quote as well by Tony Robbins. Um, tell us a little bit about the confusion that you experienced <laughs> before the big breakthrough. Well, yeah, um, 
I didn't realise, you know, um, when I met my ex-husband, I was nearly 27, 26 going on 27 when I met him. And I was looking for a man, uh, not consciously, but this is what I've learned in hindsight, who was going to love me, but let me control the relationship, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was wanting a man who I could trust. And, you know, I, I attracted him. And he was a fantastic husband to me, a fantastic father to my kids. You know, he never gave me any concern to be worried about any inappropriate behavior. And you can you can rest assured, you know, I'm ultra high alert regarding that. Yeah. You know, especially having two daughters. Um, and he was, you know, um, you know, a, a great guy, but I didn't understand what was going on in our relationship. In other words, we had a happy relationship where there was no um, cross words. You know, we just got on great. As, as, but it was more like a friendship, you know, and I just always felt like we're settling for an okay relationship. And it's not until I learned all this, all these skills around how you know the feminine and masculine energy work, and how it's important to create that polarization to then have the passion and intimacy that you most people crave in a relationship to have it operating at its highest level. I didn't realise I was partly responsible for not, you know, being able to create that in my own relationship because I didn't have the knowledge then. But I always was thinking, you know, that there's got to be something better than what we're experiencing in, in this relationship with each other. And, you know, for 23 years, it served me very well to feel secure and feel protected. Um, and it wasn't until I left that relationship and then literally within six months, I think purely because I put that intention out there, this is what I want. I want a, a man that's going to make me feel alive, you know, that's going to make <laughs> me feel that excitement, that passion, and uh, really um, um, take me to the next level in terms of what I knew what was great about, uh, you know, the relation, a relationship operating at its very best. And, and that's when I met my partner who I'm with now. And mm. what I didn't realize was, though, I was still sort of still learning, you know, what, what does and doesn't work in, in, in terms of relationships. And we were having these big arguments every three or four weeks or so. And I was, I was always sort of laying blame in those early years and thinking, well, it must be his fault, right? Because yeah. with my ex, <laughs> yeah. I never had any of that. You know, it was all sweetness and light and all calm. What I now realise is that, you know, because I was so in control of my relationship with my ex, was that I was more stepping into my masculine energy, so therefore not allowing him to be the man in that relationship. I was quite often emasculating him, you know, quite often, not not consciously, obviously, but quite yeah. often feeling superior to him, uh, telling him what to do and how to do things. Um, you know, I always knew best. And by doing that, you know, he, he was stepping more into his feminine. And as he does that, you're then finding that man less attractive. Yeah, because he's becoming more like you. You're trying to change him to be more like you, but then when he goes, <laughs> it's like, who is this man? You know, he's a woman. <laughs> right, yeah. You know? 
and it becomes more like a friendship type relationship. You know, it's like a, you know, not a brother in in the um, sibling sense, but you know that sort of love that I had for him was like a brother. Yeah, and um, yeah. I just knew that, you know, that there was something beyond this type of love, and, but I didn't realise how I was con- actually at the time contributing to that being how it was. Until, as I say, I had my relate. I started my relationship with my my now partner Paul, and uh, you know we was having these arguments, and I kept thinking it must be him. You know, I never had for 23 years of any arguments whatsoever. But Paul's very strong. You see, he's very strong in his masculine energy. He absolutely oozes it. You know, he walks, talks. You know, in a very strong masculine. Uh, you know, he just exudes that masculine energy, through, you know, from the top of his head to the tips of his toes. That just melts me. You know, I, I just literally used to feel like I was melting into a puddle onto the, onto the floor every time he kissed me because it's just that <laughs> powerful, you know, yeah. to, to feel his energy. Um, so what, what, what's the difference? Well, the difference I realized was that... Um, you know, he was very comfortable in his masculine energy, and it wasn't until I wasn't responding to him in a feminine way that, um, you know, we'd have these arguments. And he quite often admit that, you know, he was quite the instigator of that, because quite, what, what our usual pattern would be would be that he would um, come home and he'd be a bit touchy, you know, and a bit irritable and a bit aggressive. And I've been, you know, been being quite hypersensitive to that sort of perceived criticism and that sort of uh, irritability in his voice would, would would respond, you know, equally niggly and aggressive. Well, that is, you know, a masculine response. And then obviously within the context of that, what I realised was that all he was feeling and picking up at any time that that was happening was there's another masculine energy in the room and it'd be like two stags, you know, butting heads. Yeah. And we'd have a, a full-blown argument, you know, but I didn't realise until I learned, you know, all these skills and uh, got all this awareness that that's actually what was happening. And we used to, you know, call it the, the time in our life where he'd light the fire, but instead of me being the feminine and pouring water on that fire, what was happening was I was, being the masculine in response to that and pouring paraffin on that fire. (laughs) (laughs) It's so powerful how passionate we become when we're in our feminine place of receptivity, right? Of kind of stepping back and allowing him to be who he really is. There's a a trust, right? Like that, that I, I, I did a webinar that, you know, I shared like the two sexiest things, um, the, the sexiest words that we can say to one another. And I think for a man, you know, when a man says, I got this, that's an incredible, sexy statement. And when we are able to say, I trust you, that yes. is the sexiest for him, right? And so um, being able to stay in that place and that kind of emotional space of like, I trust you, it gives him the ability to say, I got this. You know, it, it really um, can be initiated by us. It really can. And so um, I love that that is your work. It is so needful right now that we as women are able to step back into this feminine power um, that, you know, what, it's the power that we're wired for. And it's what men need. It's what the world needs. It's what our kids need. It's, it's, um, it's very needful in the world right now. So bless you. Incredible work. 
Yeah, absolutely. And what what's really, I suppose, important to realise, um, because I get this, asked this question a lot, is, well, you know, why is all this information aimed at women? Uh, you know, is you know, can't you involve men in this education as well? Well, of course I can. But what we need to realise is that we have the power, and not only that, yeah. but we need to realise that men, as I said at the beginning, are different to women, mm-hmm. and men are more likely to work, want to work their own problems out in a more solitary fashion. They're not, they're, they're less likely to seek self-help. Yeah. So please realise, you know, that um, it's not that we ex- expect women to do all the work. It's because women are different to men, and they're more likely to seek self-help. Yeah. And actually, by working with women and helping them to change their thoughts, their behaviours, and the way um, they can be, you know, uh, more in touch and reclaim their feminine power. On the back of you changing how you are, how you think, how you respond to him, he'll change for the better yeah. as well. You know, he'll yeah. he'll the space that you leave for him to become the man that you always knew was there, wanted him to be. He will become that on the back of your changes that you make. Yeah. So that you don't need to try and change him. You just need <laughs> to learn what you need to do to change you. Yeah. It really is powerful. That is our power right there. Like you said, you know, we get into our lane. We surrender to who we really, really are. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that shouldn't be so hard. That really shouldn't be so hard. But it is because of where we've come from. But once we learn how to just be the feminine um, power that we really are, it gives men the space, you know, to be who they are. And, wow, what a different place the world would be. So, Beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, because we have been, as I said, you know, educated and parented to be more like men, you know, in, in, uh, uh, I suppose, on the back of um, seeing men succeed in the workplace, you know, and we've took on those masculine traits and skills because, um, you know, they've they've been our role models for that success. And and that's still okay, you know, it's okay to use your masculine energy in your workplace. It's okay to use your masculine energy when it's appropriate, if you're in a dangerous or fearful situation. Where it doesn't work so well is behind closed doors with your intimate partner. Right, that's it, that's it. All is well in the end, and if it isn't well, then it hasn't ended. I love that quote. You quote you you share that at the end of the chapter, and I I really love that. It really does get to be well in the end, and and people you know out there, if it's not well, then it's not over yet. So I do you know sit here with with Lynn. We both encourage you to seek the help um, that you need to be able to make your life well. You know, get back into that well place where you will feel the fulfillment and the passion and the intimacy and the power that you were really designed um, to know. So thank you, Lynn. What, what kind of um, words do you want to leave us with today? Any more words of wisdom? <laughs> You've shared a lot, but is there, <laughs> what else do you want to share before we sign off here? Well, I suppose because the words of wisdom have, have got the W for words, the O of the of and the W for wisdom, it spells wow. So I just, I would just encourage women to sort of um, come up with their own wows to, to what they've learned on either the back of the conversations that you are so good at bringing out in people that you interview, 
as well as their own story. You know, what is their own story? What are their own wows, the words of wisdom that, that they can offer and share as their own message? I love that. That's so good. We all have a story, people, and the story is there to be shared. You know, our stories are so prophetic in the lives of other people. And so it does take courage to share your story. But on the other side of it is such amazing glory and and healing and um, just power for the rest of those waiting. You know, there's people waiting to hear your story. So thank you, Lynn, for being with us today. Your work is... um, at hearts hyphen entwined is your website hearts hyphen entwined.com this is where you can connect with lynn and her work around the world and remember that her desire her mission is to reduce divorce domestic violence suicide self-harm and i really love um you know this mission of bringing women back into their feminine power rather than becoming um men we don't need more men in the world. We need women in their in their powerful place. So um, if you want to connect with Lynn and her work, get on over there, hearts-entwined.com. And you can pick up the change book number nine to read her chapter. It's so powerful. And if you are ready to share your story, contact me, Stacy at stacyc.com. That's with an E-Y. And um, let's connect and get your story out into the world. And I've also got a coaching program, too, to help you step into your highest um, calling, your highest power, and your highest level of success in the world. So um, I want to help you be the best you that you can be. So thank you again, Lynn, for being with us. Give us a couple more words before we sign off and we'll be wishing everybody well. Well, thank you very much, Stacey. I really appreciate it because I really do care about women and and our relationships. I really do understand, you know, some of the issues and problems that has caused the, uh, the, the relationships to, to break down or not be as great as what they could be. And I just really want to serve and and, uh, help you have all phenomenal relationships going forward. Amen. Amen. You're doing awesome work, lady. So thank you again. And to the listeners out there, don't forget to be the change you're hoping to see in the world. Until next week, only love, joy, and peace. Bye for now. Fabulous. (laughs) 